Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3. 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. If you would like to get in, the first segment of each hour is norm as usual. We will be having our pretty typical um, Thursday schedule on today's edition of footnotes uh luke johnson is brave enough to come on and i you know i try to luke does not like to get into the official the whole officiating thing very often so my plan is to ask one or two quick questions and move off of that as quickly as possible um and get to more of the football side of it and just because I res- I appreciate him coming on, and I don't want to make him, you know, talk about something that he hates to talk about. So, um, and you know, it's I need to move on. I, I I will never leave it alone. It's a fight I've been fighting for decades, but it, it's uh, you know, for for my own health, I need to move on as quickly as possible. So we'll do that, and then we'll talk. Fantasy football. I've decided that today is T.J. Hawkinson Day on our uh, on our fantasy football segment with the Guru in the, at around ten fifteen. So at least I've got a little light in the sports world right now, and actually a big light. The look, the Astros, the 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 major league regular season ended yesterday, and um, you know the Astros winning yesterday. They got to 50 games over 500. I just, I mean, when you say that, because you remember, you know, a lot of times early in a year, you, you know, you might get off to a little bit of a start and you, you, you say things like, well, we could just get back to 500. We'll be okay. The Astros are now 50 games over 500. 50. I, you know, I, I guess they've done that one other time in the franchise. In 2019, they won 107 games, so they had to be at least 50 games over 500. But 50 games over 500, I just, I don't know how they've done it other than, you know, they just kind of figured out how to win. And this year, it's primarily been pitching. It was pitching again yesterday. They won 3-2. to two. Look, the Astros of 2022 are not exactly the ni- the 1980 Astros. If I remember correctly, one of those years, it might have been 80 or 70, one of those years, like, the Astros, the team leader in home runs had, like, nine or ten home runs. I mean, you know, almost every game was two to one, three to two, and it wasn't that dramatic, but it was pretty close a lot of the time. I mean, they – um. It was the game was different then, but it's not like it's like that. But it's 
you know, there are many games where they score zero, one, or two runs more than in the past. And so we'll see what happens in the postseason. By the way, postseason baseball begins Friday with four games starting at 11.07. And then again Saturday with four more games. And then Sunday, it just depends on who wins and how many are sweeps and how many aren't sweeps. It's best two out of three, all at the same park. The Astros, we don't know when they start playing. We know it's going to be Tuesday, but we don't know, like, that. at least I haven't seen, like, when that's going to start. I guess it depends on who wins. I don't, I don't know what they're waiting for. But, by the way, it looks like the Astros in this series will be on TBS the Astro games will be on TBS, and, and the Astros' first game is Tuesday. Now, they will either be playing against the Blue Jays, which, to me, that's a very scary opponent, the Blue Jays. Very scary. Um, or the Mariners, and boy, that things would get interesting around here if that happens in the playoffs. We don't want that. We... I guess we want it, and I guess we don't. I mean, I think most Astro fans would rather play the Mariners just because the Astros have kind of owned the Mariners forever. And the Blue Jays are just this scary team just because, you know, they've got so many guys. Like, Bichette is scary. and Springer, you know, he's got a flair for the dramatic. And Guerrero is really good. Uh... I don't know. I, I think I think the Yankees definitely have the easier bracket. Um, but I mean, what you gonna do? I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. You just got to go out and win. Hopefully, they can figure out a way to do that. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think you have a concept where you already started off uh, the season with giving a team 54 losses. Right. Yes. Yes. I thought about that yesterday. It's funny you bring that up. They didn't even claim them all. So, so let me ask you this. So, basically, that means you're breaking it down in uh, I think 54, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's 50, uh, so yeah the Astros got 56. So, you know, essentially, the Dodgers yeah. didn't didn't claim all 54 of their losses. So, the Dodgers had a perfect season. They they were 17 and 0. Okay. Okay. So how would you? That's, so if you give the Astros city for losses, so that means they only had two. So how how would you? I would say I that? guess the Astros had like a sixteen in one season. And I mean, okay. you know, the comparisons between baseball and football are not. You can't. They're not apples to apples. But essentially, that's what not, I'm saying. You know yes. Why? You know what's weird to me? We're sit up here and call. Oh my God! What a beautiful baseball game. One zero pitchers duel. And let a, let a game end up nine six, like a, a, a football game. You know, right. yeah, I call it playing and saying, "Oh, I wasn't entertained." Yes. <laughs> and to me, you know what's so funny? I can watch a three zero football game. I can I can watch it. Oh, I'm fine watch, with it. I can watch a shootout. It's just that's just that's just the nature of the game. Sometimes that's just how it goes. Um, hey, what's why? Why you think? Uh, I'm sure you're gonna say uh, the preseason mentality. Why do you think scoring is kind of down? In the uh, NFL, well, I think that has something to do with it. Uh, but it se- it does seem like the 
does seem like some defenses are, are doing something early on, but I, it's got to be the preseason thing. I just I think that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Phillies, you think they have a uh, – when was the last time uh, a team made the playoffs uh, with a managerial change uh, during the season and won? I, I, and won the World Series. Off the top of my head, I'm thinking the Marlins. In 03, I can't – maybe there's another team because, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of off. Uh, <laughs> um, not one is not coming readily to mind right now. No. Yeah, I'm thinking of that Marlins team with uh, Jack McCann. I think right. Forberg, huh? That was um. What's what's our the pitcher from uh, from Houston? I can't remember his name right now. He pitched fa- fabulous in that series. But no, no, now, it, it, it the Marlins. Who? Uh, the pitcher. He was from Houston. Oh, for, oh, Beckett? Yeah, Beckett, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I thought you said plays for Houston. Nah. No, 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 he was from Houston. <laughs> no, Beckett, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah no, I'm going to hang up here your thoughts. Uh, what? I know you're going to think, uh, you know, the Dodgers, they're so powerful. Uh, Braves, of course. Um, I know, you know, I hear Mets fans around here, they're not really giving them a chance, but, you know, they're happy they're in the postseason. What are the Philly chances just kind of just going in there and just causing chaos, uh, chaos in the National League? Thank you. All right, thanks. I I asked that question yesterday because we we were at the the Astros Phillies game yesterday. I just I just don't their hitters just strike out way too much. Like Schwarber's had a great power season, but um, but he struck he struck out for the two hundredth time. I just don't think they have enough pitching. Their relief pitching is not good enough. And and they they I think they strike out a little too much at the plate. Now that doesn't mean you can't win two out of three. I I I don't I would be surprised if the Phillies could beat anybody in in any series longer than three games. But in three games, you know, just about any team in baseball can beat you two out of three. I mean, but longer than three, I just don't think they have enough pitching. Just don't, just don't think they do. No, what the what the Dodgers have done, what the Dodgers did to Jay's point this year is unbelievable. The Astros, you know, it's funny the the Mets and the Braves finished with the same record. They both won 101 games. Both teams won 101 games. The the Braves just won the tiebreaker, and you know, in any other year they'd be playing today. For most of my life, almost all of my life, the Braves would be playing the Mets today for the division title. They just changed it because of, you know, whatever. They want to try to – I do think it's a little more fair to play at least the best two out of three. But any other year, they would be playing, you know, a game 163 today to win the division. And – um. Think about the other thing that's curious is you look at every other division, the the closest race in any other division was seven games. The Brewers finished seven games back at the Cardinals, and the Blue Jays finished seven games behind the Yankees. And no other division was within seven games other than the Mets and the Braves, which finished tie, and the Braves get it on a tiebreaker. Wow. 
I mean, it it, did, it it didn't look like it would be that different in all these divisions going in. I really thought the American League Central at least would be a lot closer, and it just did not work out that way. So we'll see. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back and shift gears. I'm doing it hesitantly, but I I, I like talking to Luke so much, we're going to do it anyway. I hope Luke feels the same after this. Luke Johnson. Next, Talking Saints, after this time out on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Before we get to Luke, I want to remind you the 13th gate, the game wants you to face your worst nightmares by hooking you up with tickets for one of the top haunted house attractions in the country, the 13th gate. Simply text GATE, G-A-T-E, to 337-283-8100. You might win two general admission tickets to the 13th gate. That's text GATE to 283-8100. The 13th gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and the game, 1037 Lafayette, 104, One Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station all right i know he's doing better than me and so uh did you survive travel wise your trip to london sir yeah yeah i did it was a great trip um no the the funny thing is it was it was a lot easier coming back than it was going out there um so you know i'm i'm uh feeling like no effects from jet lag right now i feel pretty lucky about that so, have you ever been there? Had you ever been there before? Uh, this is my second time in Europe, and my first time to London. So, um, it was a really cool place, man. And, and you know, honestly, um, the logistics were kind of tough for the trip because the Saints stayed in two different hotels. You know, they practiced pretty far way away from from where the media hotel was. They practiced pretty far away from where their hotel was. Um, so, I actually got to see like a lot of the city. <laughs> Um, and, uh, one of my favorite spots is actually, uh, you know, for people who watched the, uh, show Ted Lasso, um, you know, we were staying like right next to, right next to where that show was kind of based when saw like the Ted Lasso pub, uh, you know, the park that plays kind of a big role in the show is pretty cool. It, it, it was a cool town, man, or a cool, I, I guess, major metropolitan area, I guess is the right way to call it. I've long said I'm not quite as fascinated with the rest of the world as most, but London is one of the places that I, I've, I've, you know, I've long said I, I have at least one, if not two daughters, that if it was up to them, they'd probably live there. So, no, that that, that part would would be interesting. And then the game began, and 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 I know I don't look. I'm I, I'm so sick of the NFL and and all the logistics behind it. But I'm just going to ask you two quick questions, and then we're going to move on. Are you okay with that? Yeah, let's go. Have you ever seen a game where one team got comprehensively cheated from quarter one to four? And since you've been and if, since you've been following the Saints, do you ever remember the Saints getting that big of an advantage from from a game of calls from for four quarters? Uh, I mean, you know, probably not. I, I thought that was pretty one sided uh, one sided game officiating wise. Um, and you know it's 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 funny that the Saints um, their first 
four games. I'm, I'm pretty sure drew the uh, the four officials who threw the most penalty flags last season. Um, <laughs> you know, top uh, one through four, uh, they were the, the head officials for the first four games. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know, man. I I think if you uh, you know if you go by if you go by the the Twitter mentions, um, you know, when we're talking about officiating in that game, a lot of Vikings. Fans are saying, well, there was a bunch of shots at the head for Kirk Cousins. I didn't see any of those, um, at least any that were egregious and, and you know, meriting uh, a complaint after the game. But I, I think, uh, you know, a number of, of penalties called against things were really, really questionable. And I'm not saying this is like you know, some part of a broad conspiracy against the Saints. Um, but, uh, you know, a illegal man downfield um, on – the, the play on their very first drive that converted the third down, I thought was, um, yeah, I thought that was a bad call. I thought the you know, the Vikings on their their third down touchdown on their first drive they had the exact same thing that that didn't get called. Um, you know, the hence the face penalty on Tyron Matthew that they, they converted a third down. I thought was a pretty egregious call. Um, I thought Marshawn Lattimore definitely had a defensive pass interference later on in that drive that set the Vikings up to go ahead touchdown, but. You know, I thought that could have easily been um, you know, an offsetting penalty on Adam Thielen for a face mask. So I just think, look, the Saints had to put themselves in better position for sure. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think a lot of penalties are their own doing, a lot of the pre-snap penalties especially. Um, but you know, I, I do think that you know, the officials played a pretty big role in that game. All right. You know, Going back to last offseason, you know, I, I, I was – the Saints need Latavius Murray. The Saints need Latavius Murray. It, it was like some sort of cruel joke for someone who's been wanting Latavius Murray on this team forever for him to come back, show me that I was right and what they've been missing from him instead of, you know, what we've been getting from Tony Jones. And then and then he's gone just in a – I mean, is this a was this a cruel joke? Like, what, what just happened here? <laughs> well, um. The Saints were the NFL team that wanted with Yes Murray. You know, he went. He went the. I thought he had a pretty good season with Baltimore last year. He went the entire training camp without even being contacted. He thought his career was over. And then obviously the Saints brought him in, and they gave him a week or two to get his legs under him. And then he comes in, he looks very good, right? But the fact of the matter is that you know, even if he's even if he's beating out Mark Ingram for all of the number two carries, which probably wasn't going to happen, right? The fact of the matter is that the Saints have a, a lead back. And, you know, I know he missed the last game, but, you know, the, the odds are that Alvin Kamara is going to play a lot of football this year. Um, so, you know, the Saints wanted to sign Davis Murray to the active roster after that. They tried to. Uh, but, you know, 11 carries for 50 yards looks pretty good. Um, and, you know, obviously the Denver Broncos had a big need at the position when they're, their number one running back was lost for the season with an injury. Um, so, you know, Saints tried, but you know, the opportunity was better in Denver for Murray uh, to, to get more opportunities, more chances of touching the ball. Um, so that's why he went there. Uh, you know, I mean, it sucks I, that it happened. It sucks yeah. that it happened after he had a really good game. But it, the fact of the matter is that he was he was going to be, yeah, you know, the most ideal scenario going to be touching the ball maybe six, seven times a game. Right. And look, I, I, you know, I don't think this I've, I've seen a lot of people very angry about this. And I'm 
you know, I, I just and I, I really have been in wanting liking Latavius Murray for a while, but I don't think this is any negligence on the part of the Saints front office. It's just frustrating. But anyway, um, yeah. Look, I mean, if Javon, if Javon Murray blows out his knee in Week Five, we're not having this conversation. Latavius Murray on the Saints fifty-three man roster, you know, um, and there, and nobody can nobody can poach him off of the active roster unless they trade for him. Right. Um, but, you know, the timing just worked out, I mean, honestly, in Latavius Murray's favor. So, I, I, look, I, I, people are angry and they're frustrated, and they're really they're frustrated with the 1-3 start, and it just seems like he's piling on. But, look, I'm I'm still optimistic about this team. I, I think they, they have to get it figured out very quickly. Um, but, you know, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button, and I, and I don't think that, yeah, I think by the end of the year we're going to be looking back saying, "Wow, people were really melting down over you know, the Saints losing uh, their number three running back." Um, how worried are you about Michael Thomas? I mean, I'm worried. You know, everything we've heard, and and we've we've heard this was that the injury was was not serious. Um, yeah, they, they suffered against uh, the Panthers, a toe injury, which that's yeah, all we know about it. We don't know if it's a turf toe or what. Um, but we heard that it wasn't serious. Um, but, I mean, I mean, we haven't even – like the only time I saw him in London was after the game and he was hanging out outside the team's post-game locker room. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned. Yeah, obviously, for a guy who missed so much of the last two years to – to now you know, miss a game and he was at practice yesterday and there's just, you know, it's, it's, you don't really know what's going on there. And, and look, Mike was a guy before that ankle injury. I mean, he was, he was an iron man. He only missed one game in his NFL career prior to, prior to 2020. Um, and obviously we've seen this year that he's very much the Mike Thomas we were kind of all hoping to see. I mean, he looked like the old version of himself. But, you know, this is, this is now, another injury that's just kind of like clouded mystery. And um, you know, I think you have to be concerned until he shows up on the field. Who else is, do you expect to play Sunday that hadn't been playing besides 41? Uh, I'd expect Marcus to play. Um, I mean, he was technically, he was limited all last week in, in London. I, I don't really know exactly how that worked out because like he, he wasn't wearing pads the entire week. Um He's just kind of a spectator. Um, he was actually practicing yesterday. I feel pretty good about him being back out there. Um, I feel good about Andres Pete being back out there. Um, who else missed the game? Um, I don't remember. Yeah. My mind is much. I don't, I don't remember. Oh, they, yeah. they, got, they got a big long injury report, right? But you know, I think um, I think a lot of that is is just you know them. If if the team kind of backs off a guy in practice, right? If he's dealing with something nagging, um, and they they say like, "Hey, don't worry about doing this," they have to put him on the injury report. So I, I think the majority of of the guys on the Saints injury report right now are guys I'm not super concerned about. Um, and I think some of their their guys that they're um, that they've been missing are are working their way back. Like Alvin Kamara basically said yesterday, he will be playing on Sunday. Um, so. Yeah, I think they're I think they're okay health wise right now, with the exception obviously of James Winston and Michael Thomas. All right, so 
I, I'm one that believes that the offense, you know, is is going to get better as time goes on. The one thing that is going to be interesting is if Jameis ever gets healthy, my biggest concern about him is his ability to take advantage of 41 in the short passing game. And I have the feeling that, you know, they're really going to be able to do that when he's not here. I mean, how big of a focus is that for you, getting 41 Sunday really, really, really involved in the passing game? Yeah, I mean, look, Elvin has a history against the Seahawks, right? Two games against me has 19 catches for like 100 and, or 220 yards. Um, like, he's he's killed them as a receiver in the past. And if Andy Dalton comes in, it, let's let's say Andy Dalton's starting, right? I, we don't know that for sure. You know, there's a possibility, I guess, that James Winston could come back and practice today. But it, let's just say Andy goes out there and starts and – and AK has a big game receiving um, with him out there. It, granted, AK's huge game against Seattle last year, 10 catches for 128 yards, came with James Winston as a quarterback. Um, but, you know, if if they can get Alvin involved as, as, as a receiver with Andy at quarterback, I, you know, I think that you start going, okay, well, you know, is is this maybe the better route for us going forward? I don't know. I think it's a fair question, um, but I also think it's fair to say that uh, Jameis was was pretty clearly affected by his injury, as much as the Saints and Jameis himself want to dodge those questions. I, I think um, you know he was he was clearly physically limited. Um, so I also think it's fair to say like let's get Jameis healed up, let's get him back to the point where he feels like he's able to do everything he he needs to do on a football field and. and let him show what he can do in that in that scenario. And if it's still substandard the way it was the last two starts, then I, I think you have, a, you have to have an honest and tough conversation there. If, if Andy goes out and does the things that, that the Saints offense has excelled at in the past. Do you feel like the defense will match up with the receivers? Because, look, Seattle, everyone thought they were going to be one of the worst two or three teams in football, and so far they haven't looked that way. Uh, and they have two, no matter what you thought of them, they have two well above average wide receivers on this team. Do you think the Saints secondary will match up better with this receiving core than Minnesota? Because Jefferson got the best of Lattimore. Yeah, but I, I think um, yeah, I think we can probably expect to see Lattimore on DK Metcalf much the way he was last year. And I think DK Metcalf is, is more in line with the type of receiver Lattimore kind of excels against. You know, Lattimore is a, a physical football player. Um, I think does better in physical matchups than he does with with guys who are you know, kind of putting moves on him in space like Jefferson did. Hey, Jefferson is a great, great route runner. Yes, um, and you know I don't think that's necessarily DK's strength. Uh, I think DK's strength is his strength, and I, I think that matches up well with with what Marshawn Lattimore does. Um, so you know I, I I'm much less concerned about the Seahawks outside weapons was about Minnesota's those those types as tend tend to give the Saints a little bit more trouble than um than you know the the types of receivers that we'll see with Seattle so you know obviously again <laughs> I keep saying this I could be wrong you know I, I think Geno Smith has had a very very good start to the year um but you know I'm still 
I'm still pretty confident in that Saints secondary. I think they they were off to a very very good start to the season, um, and last week was kind of an aberration. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back and uh, shift gears to a few more su- other subjects with Luke Johnson. Uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's kind of a pins and needles stage because uh, you just I, I I feel like you do, Luke, that. If they can just not start out one and five or two and four, then they'll hit a stride and they'll be fine. But if you start out one and five, hitting a stride may not do any good. I mean, it's just it, – it's, it's just – that's why Sunday was just so awful. Anyway, we'll take a timeout. We'll be back. One more segment with Luke Johnson next on The Game. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No, seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10 and 6, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13 to 12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness and ineptness or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote. And footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes on the Game. We have with us Luke Johnson of the Advocate Nola.com. All right, Luke. Uh, a lot. Dennis Allen in the court of public opinion is not off to a good start. A lot of people are very angry, blaming all of the any kind of the penalties and everything on him. I, you know, I, obviously it's way too premature to even go down that road. But do you feel like you know? It seems I, I don't. I'm not really questioning Dennis Allen for a lot of this at all, other than I wouldn't know onside kicked a few weeks ago, but. Uh, where do you stand on all that? Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't think it's been a great start to the year for him. But, you know, I think some of this stuff, uh, the big problem for me has been has been the turnovers, right? I, I don't know how, how much of a problem that, that is with Dennis Allen as it is with, with the, the poor execution by his players. I think the Saints could very easily be three and one right now, um, but they keep making these these mistakes, and you know I, I don't I don't really feel like those are reflective of of the head coach, the, the fumbles and and the and the interceptions. Um, look, they've their scoring margin for the season is negative twenty, right? They've been outscored by twenty points in four games. They've allowed opponents to score thirty three points. Off of 11 turnovers, um, they lead the league in turnovers. They, they, I'm sure they probably lead the league in, in points allowed off turnovers. Um, I think the defense is playing very well, um, but yeah, you know, they've they've got to really tighten down on some of these some of these errors. And, and I, you know, I, I don't think it's the offense. I think the special teams has has played pretty poorly through four weeks as well. Um, so you know, I, I guess it's fair that you could. Could call that coaching, 
you know, I know for a fact that they've been putting a heavy, heavy emphasis on ball security, and it just hasn't going that way in games. Um, yeah, but that's that, in my opinion, is the thing they need to turn around. And I think if they do, they're a pretty good football team. You know, I, I you hit upon what was going to be my next question. I, I, I really expected, and look, from here on out, it, I think it's very possible it could be. It wouldn't shock me if it turns out that way. I, I really expected this to be an elite special teams unit, and it's been bad so far. Yeah, and it's really hard to swear how that how that has happened. You know, and it's it's not just been the execution problems, um, you know, like the missed field goals and, and, and whatnot, but, you know, it's been, it's been penalties. They had that killer... 12 men on the field and they're going back to field the punt on fourth and one. Um, you know, Andrew Dowell had a late hit out of bounds last week that I think put the Vikings in, in plus territory. Um, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. That's just been kind of mind boggling. But then again, you, you look at what this team has and, and you're wondering how it has been that way. Will Lutz almost hit two 60 yard field goals. I think he's still pretty good as a kicker. Um, I think Blake Gillikin's having a, a fine start to the year. You know, they've got an all-pro gunner in JT Gray, who I think has, has been playing pretty well. Um, you know, you see all these elements, and you're just like, okay, this can't stay this way forever. It just can't. Um, and I, I think Darren Rizzi's a very good special teams coordinator. Uh, I think they'll get it figured out. But, like, again, this is like you know, they're one in three right now. Uh, they're running out of time to figure this stuff out. You know, because, as you said before we went to the break, if they start one and five, you know, I, I mean, they could be great. They could be outstanding down the stretch, and it won't matter if they put themselves in too big of a hole. So they've got to figure it out now uh, because they, they've kind of used up all the grace period here. Absolutely. Now, from a trying to be somewhat positive standpoint, or at least look at some encouraging signs, they ran the ball better against the Bucks than I expected them to. And if the officials had done their job, I, it looked like they were about to take over that game with a running game Sunday. Yeah, I'm really not concerned about the run game. I, yeah, I think they, uh, they've they been putting themselves in too many disadvantageous situations to where they can't really utilize it during games. A lot of those big fourth-quarter deficits, I mean, going into this last week, they had two rushing attempts in the fourth quarter all season combined. <laughs> you know, so... You know, they, they really just, I think the key for them is to kind of lean on that early, you know, establish establish some rhythm, rhythm offensively. Uh, don't you know, shoot yourself in the foot and get these penalties that put in the chains where you're forced to be in these you know, long third down situations. Um, and and you, can, you can get things going from there. Right? But I, I really do think that they can lean on these guys. I think their, their offensive line has been playing very well on game. Um, you know, I think if they get Alvin Kamara healthy, I think he can, he can finally going. He looks really, really good in camp. Um, I, I think there's just elements for this defense to take off, but they've got to actually doing it. You know, um, absolutely. Are, are, have we yeah. seen a little bit of a sign that the tight ends are going to be part of the passing game, or it's still way too early to say that? Uh, too early to say. I, I, I mean, Andy obviously utilized them a little bit more than Jameis did, and Jameis was leaning really, really heavily on those three receivers. Um, whereas, you know, <laughs> Andy Dalton comes into the game, and all of a sudden, Adam Troutman's like a part of the offense. Uh, he'd been just MIA the first uh, the first three weeks of the season. I think I think they have to utilize those guys. They have to 
get Juwan Johnson and Adam Troutman involved in the passing game. Uh, because it, you know, as good as Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas, and Chris Olave are when they're on the field, yeah, I just don't think you can you can force them the ball um, when other guys are, are open. It just it, it doesn't make it doesn't make sense to me because you know that's you're taken away from you know the opportunity to get those get those guys the ball. Uh, to where they're not in double coverage or whatever the case may be, um, you got to use the entire field. You got to use all your weapons. Um, so I would hope that uh, the trend that we saw before is something that we kind of see more throughout the year. Um, but you know, I, I would have to see Jameis do that before I can say that's definitely going to be the case. All right. So Geno Smith is not Marcus Mariota necessarily. He's certainly not Jalen Hurts. But he does have the ability to run the ball, and running quarterbacks give the Saints a lot of trouble. How high on the concern list uh, is that for you? Uh, it's not high at all. Um, yeah, I think there's a difference between you know, a quarterback who's mobile and able to kind of move around, and um, and a quarterback you know, like like the ones you were bringing up, who you know, they are going to run the ball. Yeah, Gino's only had one game this year where he had more than 20 yards rushing, um, and you know he's a guy who's taken sacks. Yeah, I think I would compare him more to you know, Baker Mayfield than I would, um, you know, a guy like Mariota. Um, so, you know, I think that can work in the Saints' favor, especially if he's not getting the ball out quickly. If they're able to kind of lock up those receivers, um, yeah, I think that pass rush can get home and, and kind of in the way that we've seen them get home these last couple of games. You know, I wasn't concerned about it after those first two games just because of the, the circumstances. I think they've proved me right these last couple of games. So um, not overly concerned about it. You know, I, I think they'll, they'll have a pretty good plan against him. And you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back to earth a little bit this week. Do you sense that this team is angry, frustrated, what right now? Uh, I wouldn't say angry. Um, you know, it, it, kind of the theme throughout the week from these guys is you know, we're not panicking. You know, we know what we've been doing wrong. Um, it, you know, and we've been in all these games despite all of these self-inflicted wounds. Um, but I, I think they understand that that they like like I said earlier they're they're running out of time with this. You know, there's a real real sense of urgency with the team um, because you know. <laughs> They're basically starting. They're starting the race, like a mile behind everybody else. Um, and the good thing for them is you know, nobody's really separating themselves um, you know, outside of the Eagles and the NFC. I, I think a lot of teams are, are kind of scuffling right now. The Bucks are kind of scuffling. Um, yeah, there's they're not like so far behind where where this has been uh, just a complete disaster of a start. Um, but you know, I think they know. They know that that like they got to get it fixed in a hurry right. um, because that's not going to be the case throughout the whole season. Absolutely. All right, sir. Glad you made it back safely from England. I appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Talk to you next week. Take care, Luke Johnson. Um, oh, you see, I always I almost asked him a question at the beginning and and I forgot. I'll try to do it next time. Next week, say ask. Luke, the question you've been forgetting to ask him, it has nothing to do with the Saints. I just keep forgetting to ask him.
And I and I almost asked him at the very beginning, and then I said, no, it doesn't fit here. Just wait. And then, of course, I didn't ask. It's just kind of how things go, especially this week. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back, finish out the first hour. Footnotes on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Another event that looks very intimidating for us fat people. Time for you to warm up your dancing legs for the official run and duathlon of the Festival Acadien et Creole. Race through Lafayette's historic district, ending up at Girard Park for Festival Acadien and Creole on Sunday. October the 16th, compete in a 5K or a 10K or a run, paddle run in the duathlon. Taking part in this event helps support local parks, community projects, and the festival that you love. Volunteer or register at latrail.org. That's latrail.org. All right. Luke seems still pretty optimistic. Uh, I don't know that Luke and I are looking at things very different at all. It's just, again, uh, part of the anger, there's a lot of reasons why I'm angry at the NFL. And one of them is because I've been complaining about this for four decades and they still haven't fixed it. Um, But the other reason more specifically for this season is if they were 2-2 and right now, the, the problem with the NFL would still be there, but you wouldn't feel like the Saints were behind the eight ball or, as Luke put it, starting the race a mile behind everyone. But that's kind of where they are right now. And, and um, they've just some kind of way got to get to three and three. We talked about this yesterday. Last year, all I was saying was get me to three and three. Just get me to three and three. And again, the 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 point behind that last year was I think I expect to get off to a slow start, but I really think this is a very good team. And if you just get me to three and three, the rest of it will take care of itself. Well, injuries took and and, and COVID took care of the rest of that and it became a complete disaster show. Well, I still think this is a really good team. And if they can just get to three and three, if they don't have another historic rash of injuries and COVID doesn't come back and get them and or and or COVID, then I think they're going to be fine. But if you start out, one, if you don't get me to three and three, then it's like you're going to seem like you're more than a mile behind the pack. And so, I mean, can they just, can we just get rid of phantom calls? Like if they commit a file, then at least make them commit a foul before you call it. Not all fouls. Because, I mean, I mean, I guess there are people out there who are in la-la land and think that the Saints opposing offensive lines never hold anyone. That never happens. Well, you're lying to yourself. They hold all the time. They just choose not to call it for whatever reason. 
So can we at least just make them commit a foul? Can we just get up to that? Like just strive to get up to that level. Can we just... I know the Saints have the worst coach in America, and I know they're the most undisciplined team in the history of competitive athletics. I've heard all that. But can we at least let them commit a foul before they call it? Can we at least just aspire to get up to that level? And hopefully if they can get up to that level and they can get to 3-3, three and three, then we can kind of start over. Or, I mean, you're not really starting over, but you can kind of feel like you can start over. So, Luke... Lucas, you know, I'm really just discouraged and fed up with the whole process right now uh, this week and just don't have – just I just don't have much left. I mean, just don't. I, I just can't take any more of this. So hopefully it doesn't happen anymore. But uh, Luke sounds pretty optimistic. We'll see. Hopefully there's that sense of urgency. But, again, you need that sense of urgency like in week one. <sighs> Man, they just killed me. They just – trying to kill me and to his point about Latavius Murray look I'm disappointed because I I like Latavius Murray but some people are I oh this is a front office and what a catastrophe and I mean this isn't neg- the negligence is is in the NFL front office it's not in the Saints front office so I want Latavius Murray but I think too many people are overreacting to that that's it for the first hour another hour to follow on the game Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3-133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. It's kind of a different feel today, at least for those of us who are baseball fans. The regular season is over. And playoffs start tomorrow. Again, four games starting at 11.07. The Rays play the Guardians tomorrow at 11.07. Right when we get off the air, they'll be minutes away from first pitch. And then uh, that will be followed by the Cardinals and the Phillies. The Blue Jays will play the Mariners in a, in a series that obviously Astro fans will be Following very closely, that's a 3.07 start. And then the night game tomorrow night when I'll be covering high school football with the um, with the Crow Bears against Lafayette High, um, Padres, and the Mets. And uh, I don't know what I think of that series either. What are, what, just a... I'm not sure this this baseball. I don't I don't know what to think of of these some of these matchups. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens. That's why they play the game. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. Tonight we got this horse outfit uh as I would call it taking place in Denver. Denver is at home against the Colts. I really thought both of these quarterbacks would be doing a little better than they've done. Matt Ryan looks washed up. At the end of last season, he didn't look that washed up to me. Now he's in a new system. He's got a new coach and a new team. 
And it, these are preseason games for him. I get that. But, man, he's even played worse than I thought. So, and, and, and Taylor's not playing tonight. And there's no Javante Williams. Uh... I mean, I don't know how anybody could say they have a real good feel on what in the world's going to go on in that game tonight. I mean, I, I just – I don't know what's going to happen in that game tonight. I really, I, I don't have a good feel either way at all. Hope Denver wins, but I, I just – I just – I don't know what I think of that game. Just really two teams that I'm just like – I don't have a good feel for right now. I like the way – I really like the way the Broncos have played defense. They've actually played better defense than I thought so far. It's just I haven't decided yet whether it's preseason football or they're really that good, but time will tell. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin. Howdy, sir. Yeah, how you doing today? Oh, not good. How are you, sir? I've been doing pretty good. Been doing pretty good. I was calling – you know, the other day, I think yesterday, the day before, somebody mentioned, you know, how one of the announcers said about referring the college rule on the, uh, the passing interference or whatever it was. The thing was, Kevin, it wasn't even one of the announcers. It was Pereira or whoever was the old official. Right. Who, had, who the thing that makes me mad, I was screaming at the TV like you would be screaming at the TV. How long have you been thinking that? And at some point, you were in a position where you probably could have changed, helped change that. Look, it, it, there, there is the NFL is set up to be unfair and to allow unfairness. And I've been preaching this for a long, long time. And that's one of the things that they can do. There, there are a lot of things they can do to fix this problem. It is completely ridiculous that an official has a 50-yard flag in his back pocket. That has been a problem for forever, and they refuse to fix it. But that's the thing that made me have screaming at the TV. You or I or those announcers could say that, but this guy was one of the top officials for years. So if you thought that, why hadn't it been brought out? He made it sound like this is why you know what, I prefer the college rule. Where if you preferred the college rule when you were an official and you had a chance to say something to maybe get that change, why didn't you do it? Well, you know, he's not the king. He can't just say it and speak it to existence. The NFL has to be willing to care about fairness. And and the only way they're going to care with that is if we can get all the people in the in this country that are in denial and get rid of that stupid lie that officials don't determine games so we can address the issue. It's not oh, yeah. the official's fault. It's the NFL's fault. They, they have really... You it's know, awful. Like, I, I, I feel it this way. We, we have made enough mistakes on our own that we but two of these games, I don't care who calls in to say that the official. Two of these games, I think we would have won were it not for the officials' calls at the time that they called them. I mean, look, Sunday's game was arguably one of the top five cheat jobs in Saint history. Now, the Yucks game, I don't know if they'd have won, but we don't, we'll never know because the, the, it was an even game between two teams in preseason mode, slugging it out with good defenses, and the officials totally took over the game and won it for the Yucks. So, I mean, we'll never yep. know. 
But I mean, it, it, no, it, it's it's completely ridiculous. Completely. Yeah, it, it, it's bad. It's yes. really bad, and it's and it's so obvious though. Yes. I mean, I think this week, Kevin, I'm, I'm, I could be wrong, but they didn't even review those plays we're talking about because the first week they did review them and still got them wrong. Well, they—they're they, not going. They can't. They're not going to. Re- you can't review some of these calls. These are just phantom calls they're making up in their mind. I mean, you can't right. review them. But again, it's because you don't have a system in place to ensure fairness. That is the problem. They just yeah. don't have it, and, and that, they. And you know, because they don't. They're just that's making that's it up, and it's because they don't care if they're fair or not. They, yeah. That is not an. That is not a principle for them. Not yeah. a goal for them. I'm, I'm, let me tell you one more thing, and I'm going. I am just glad. Even that up, it upsets me. It doesn't upset me nowhere near as much as it upsets you. <laughs> I'm so glad because I don't think I can make it if it upsets me the way it upsets oh, you. Oh, look, I was really worried about my health Tuesday. I was so angry. My blood pressure was so high. I'm glad I didn't test it. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate right, the call, sir. Thank work. you very much. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. This is Mr. Tom. Hey, how you doing? Uh, man, are you, I know you're ready for the playoffs because it, it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's going to be good. Yeah, I mean, my only concern with the Astros is to hit in the right place. That's yes. the only thing. Other than that, they're the best team out there besides the Dodgers. I just don't I mean, know what they could do, could have done any better. Uh, you know, I, I think they seem to have everyone reasonably healthy and, uh, everyone's, you know, I, I don't know. They just, they're, they're set up. You can't ask for any more when the season started. No one could have said, man, they're going to do better than a hundred and what? Six wins. I, I mean, nobody. I could know. Have. So, uh, no, nobody you know, knew what Erlander was going to come back yeah. as. Nobody knew that you were going to get that out of Javier. Nobody knew that Garcia would be good. Nobody knew that we would have five pitches with what twelve wins or more, something like that. It's that no, a, and there's no was, way of knowing any of this. And, and yet, we both yeah. seen enough baseball to know that doesn't oh, mean yeah. you're going to go to the World Series or win the World Series. I mean, you just don't know. It's you just don't know. So you for the best, have, all the stars got to be aligned. And if we could just win a home game, you know, that would be a real plus. Yes. Win a home it game. is amazing how many home playoff games the Astros have won during an otherwise very impressive run since yeah, twenty, no, you I mean, know, since twenty fifteen. The really, they and just. I mean, I, I want to go to Toronto and play on the road. We probably oh. could score forty runs there. I don't you know. know. I sure. I'm well, I don't want to play them anywhere. No, but we're, it looks like that's what's going to happen. But yeah, well, I don't want to play them either. But I sure don't want to play Seattle again, and I sure don't want to play. Uh, well, I wouldn't mind playing Cleveland at home, but, man, there's just no way. I, I mean, unless the Yankees come up with another pitcher, I, I just don't see them. I see them having trouble, don't you? Well, on paper, yeah. Uh, you know, again, I, mean, I just, uh, you I mean, know. The idea that Judge is going to hit four home runs every game, that's ridiculous. He's the easiest out in baseball if you pitch, if you don't throw those gopher pitches, you know, every. Go for pitches. My God. Astros to... know how to get the Yankees out historically, yeah. so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Hopefully they don't yeah, even. I, I hope so, yeah. too, anyway. But I just thought I'd call you about that. In a couple of weeks, I'll tell you about what's going on in the Breeders' Cup.
look look forward to it. I appreciate your, your call, sir. Thank you very much. Pat. Take care. Bye. It's our horse racing expert, Mr. Tom. Yeah, Mr. Tom's going to kind of, you know, for those of you who get excited, it's not Triple Crown, but some there are probably plenty of horse racing fans that even enjoy the Breeders' Cup more than the Triple Crown races. And so we'll be getting a little update from him in a few weeks. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello? Hey, Foot. This is the guy from South Lafouche. Hey, how are you, sir? Oh, we're doing fine, doing fine. I want to talk to you about playoffs. And I have a question about the Major League playoffs, and then we're going to talk about the Broncos for a minute. Okay. Um, I, I was looking at, you know, who's made the playoffs and stuff. When did the Major League Baseball go to this scenario that's just like what the NFL had when they only let six teams into the playoffs? Well, Apparently they... the top two seeds get buys, and then the other four play a series. You know, it's, it's identical to what the NFL had. Why, this is the when first year. go to that? Yeah, this is the first year. That this it's like is the this. first year. Yeah, yeah. New thing, new All deal. Right. More money. Oh, yeah. Now, that, the idea is to well, have I, more team fan bases involved late, and I don't know that it really worked out that way, but more money for more teams. You know, so, yeah. Now, as a Saints fan, I hate that the Saints lost Latavius Murray. I, I always thought he was an underappreciated asset by the Saints. Not by the fans, but by the Saints, because all he did was produce. He, I, I can't think of anything negative that he did in the time he was with the Saints over the last few years. I, I like him. I agree. Yeah. Now, the Broncos, are we going to make a living off our defense like we did the last time they won the Super Bowl? I don't know that the defense is that good, but it has so far played better than, than I thought it would. Uh, not that I thought it was going to be bad. I just didn't think it was going to play as well as it has so far. But um, and then, you know, but their offense is just not there. But again, you have a new offensive coordinator. You have a new offense. You have a new play caller. You have a new quarterback. I mean, there's a lot of new here. And this is preseason football they've been playing. So it's about time for preseason to end. And we'll see if they can kind of get some consistency there. Yeah, well, um, I think tonight is going to go a long way in, in telling what direction we're headed. Are you surprised that the number of undefeated teams went away so fast? Like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the only undefeated team now is Philadelphia, right? Right. No, and, 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 you know, just about everybody, you know, has at least one win and one loss, you know, with very few exceptions. You're right. It, it, it kind of helps teams like the Saints who I think are good, but they're off to bad starts record-wise. And, yeah, it's kind of muddled. I mean, again – this is kind of what the NFL's really original. That's what it's you know made to be. I mean, you know, we used to talk about Pete Rozelle and his dream world is that everyone was eight and eight, you know. But <laughs> um, and so it's it's kind of more like that. I, I think a lot of things will get separated once we get out of preseason mode. But but yeah, it's interesting the way it's felt fallen this year. Yeah. Welcome January. We'll see how far down in the barrel of uh, tiebreakers we have to go, huh? Well, I just want to win a game. All right. I mean, I just want to win a game. Bastos will will keep you happy for the next month, hopefully. I hope so. I hope so. Thank you, sir. All right. Take care. You too. We'll take a timeout. Shift gears to fantasy football. It's TJ Hawkinson Day. The NFL has robbed me of my joy this week because of their ineptitude. 
and their lack of concern for the goal of the of fairness. But um, I've actually gotten off to a good start fantasy-wise, even though I haven't been able to enjoy it. And that's because of T.J. Hawkinson last week. So we'll discuss that and much more with the guru next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Now, this is something up my alley. The Sweet Dough Pie Festival is coming back and serving up a slice of history and deliciousness, this says. And I agree. I, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever heard of this. Every year, the pastry chefs and home cooks around are going to be trying to crown the best sweet dough pie contest, and the public will be the judge. Variety of pies for purchase all over the place. The Sweet Dough Pie Festival returns Saturday, October the 29th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Grand Coteau Town Park in Grand Coteau. For more information, call 331-6352 or visit the Town of Grand Coteau's Facebook page. Man, I like Sweet Dough Pie, I, I can go for that. I could really go for that. All right. It's time to talk fantasy football with the guru. How are you, sir? Hey, Kevin. Uh, doing pretty good, man. Another week. Didn't expect a TJ Hawkinson week. But, yeah, we've, uh, that's kind of what it's all about. Never know what can happen. You call that total luck. I made two bad decisions on both of my wide receivers. And, uh, you know, I, I benched Mike Williams because he had two bad weeks in a row. And it turns out that I was a that was a dumb move. And then I got bailed <laughs> out by T.J. Hawkinson. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, he, just, he had I mean, done nothing for the really first three games. Nothing. That yeah, he hadn't done anything. He made up for three weeks worth of duds <laughs> in one big week in week four. So, yeah, that was. It was, it, was, it was crazy. Hopefully Adam Troutman can do similar to this. <laughs> uh, I'd be all for it. All, all right, so we've got a quarterback situation in the NFL. So if you need to pick up a quarterback this week and they haven't been claimed yet, would you pick up this cat from New England or Teddy Bridgewater? Or is Sam Darnold going to get into a game soon? Or um, Andy Dalton? Or Cooper Rush, who's probably already picked up, like – do any of these guys like, oh, go pick that guy up? Yeah, if I had to get one, I'd say Teddy Bridgewater because of the, all the weapons he's got in Miami with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. I feel like he'll – and it's a good matchup against the Jets this week. So I'm thinking he's he's the one out of all those. So, I mean, we don't know who's going to start for New England. I mean, I mean, I think it'll be Dalton, but – you know, we really trust Dalton. I mean, I don't trust him for fantasy. Essentially, Michael Thomas doesn't go. But, yeah, give me Bridgewater out of all the ones that are probably available. Then you got the New York Giants. I don't know if they know who they're starting Sunday. Right, yeah, because Daniel Jones picked up an ankle injury last week. So, yeah, I don't know if he'll be ready. Could be Tyrod Taylor. And either way, it's not going to be pretty. Packers are a good defense, and the Giants have no receivers. So, definitely stay away from that. 
It's, um, you know, kind of iffy. All right, the running back carnage continues. Oh, yeah. I mean, it what? Is, it's it's, no it's unbelievable. Devontae Williams is done. <laughs> Fuck. And, and Taylor's not playing tonight, correct? Correct. Yeah, it, it's it's out of hand how bad it's gotten. It's normally not. It's normally a deal where about half the first round running backs are, are still good. But this year, it's like well over half have been bust. I mean, the only ones, I mean, him, McCaffrey's actually been one of the more reliable ones, as crazy as that sounds. Him and Austin Eckler. And really, outside of them, I can't think anybody. I mean, Derrick Henry's picked it up lately. But other than them, there's really nobody that's been reliable outside of, like, you know, Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley, but they were second-round picks in most leagues. So, outside of those, there's just not much you can trust. So, but but with Saquon, like, if they don't have a passing game, I just don't know how effective he's going to be. Yeah, it's kind of a concern because he, at some point, they're just going to just isolate on him because they don't really have much else. So this might be a good time to try to trade Saquon if you have him. All right. So um, I don't. We talk about this each week, and I don't see a lot of good fantasy matchups. And you know, last week's game between the Bills and the Ravens was more low scoring than I thought it was going to be. It, you know, it really wasn't this great fantasy extravaganza that it looked like on paper. Do you see? Which looks like the best fantasy matchup that might break some ties and some my oh I need to play my guys if I have a player on this team. Right, yeah, that that one ended up a flop as far as being the shootout of the week with Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson kind of getting stymied by the defenses. But for yeah, for this week they got a few kind of low key kind of games that I like. You know, Falcons Bucks I think could end up fairly high scoring. Titans Commanders, Texans Jaguars. You know, none of those are very high profile games, but we gotta find those like low key shootouts in fantasy. Look at last week, Seahawks and Lions. Was that a game anyone was really watching? No, but for fantasy it was great. Forty eight forty five. So a lot of times these low key shootouts end up being the most productive because a lot of times like Bills Ravens, those are both good real-life teams where the defenses showed out. So we got a lot of times I try to find these, these matchups of these teams that aren't as good that could end up being high scoring. How worried are you about Matthew Stafford and anybody other than Cooper Cup on the Rams team, fantasy-wise? Yeah, pretty worried, honestly. I'm at a point to where if you like, – I, I don't know, I'd be almost ready to drop Stafford in the single quarterback league. So he's now had three out of four weeks of bad production. The only good week he had was against Atlanta. So I'm just I'm to the point to where if I have another option that's pretty decent, I'm probably gonna at least bench him. Maybe not drop him this year, but at least bench him. Same with Allen Robinson. He's getting almost in the droppable territory because he's just not getting it done. I don't want to know that's been good there that I'd say recommend, you know, play him every week. Tyler Higby gets tight in. He's I know T.J. Hawkinson stole the show, but Higby had one of the better tight end leagues. I think he had like 10 catches, so he's somebody that's become a must-start. All right, so if you drafted Geno Smith, you probably drafted him pretty late, and he was either a backup or if you're a league like ours where you have a third-string quarterback, um, you, you may not have even played him that many weeks, and yet – 
he's probably what he's got to be probably a top 10 fantasy quarterback so far this year with all these quarterbacks struggling if not even higher than top 10 so do you trust him as an every week quarterback now or is it too early for that no yeah i don't trust him and i think it's funny as you mentioned that because jared golf i believe right now top five and then gino's top 10 so i just no, that, that, I don't buy that. The, the quarterbacks are going to pick up. The ones that have struggled, like Brady, Russell Wilson, they're not going to stay down for long. I mean, they showed last week that they still got it. So, yeah, it's, yeah but, don't, don't buy into this Jared Goff stuff. They're at the Patriots this week. He's going to get destroyed, I feel like. And same with Geno. I mean, going to the Saints. I mean, Cam Jordan in the Saints defense is – Still a formidable attack, and I don't see Gino. But you, I mean, I don't. This week, I kind of get what you're saying about the Lions and the Patriots, because although the Patriots are not as good as they were used to be defensively, but they're still pretty good defensively. So I can see that. But long term. You don't think this is going to be a plus offense? The Lions look – I don't know how many, I don't know if they're going to better stop anyone all season because they haven't stopped anyone all year. Right, right. But I think this is a plus offense. Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, they lead the league in points, so you can't ignore that. So I'm just saying for this week, go buy in the golf. But oh, he's, golf's going to still have his, his spots where he goes off, especially once Amon Ross St. Brown and DeAndre Swift come back. So – so, no, I'm not saying uh, completely fade golf moving forward, but for this week, I am. All right, so when is Swift coming back, do you think? Week eight. He already got ruled out for this week. And then week seven, they have a bye week. So, he won't, he won't be back till week eight. Oh, man. I, I, I mean, I have good running back depth, but I could certainly, could certainly use him for sure. All right. Other than the guys that we already mentioned that we know were out, is there anybody for Sunday that you're going to be watching, monitoring closely if they're going to be in, playing or not? Yeah, there's a few. There's a few for sure. You know, Amon Ross, St. Brown. I mean, Swift got ruled out, but Amon Ross still questionable. Definitely got to keep an eye on him. A lot of receivers kind of questionable. Michael Thomas, like I said earlier, Keenan Allen. Start off the week not practicing. It is looking like he might not play again. But he's one of those. If he plays, he's going to have to play. And so keeping on at the Bears running back situation with David Montgomery, keeping on if he's going to play or not. And then uh, the Bucks. you know, Chris Godwin's looking healthy. So I think he's good to go. And then that's probably about it as far as key injuries. There, there could be more that pop up. Later in the week, though, you never know. Lately, these freaking Friday injury reports end up kind of kind of sketchy. As far as like, man, I thought this guy was healthy, and now he's on the injury report. So yeah, just keep an eye on all that. All right, is there a matchup that you like? Um, you know, like quarterback, wide receiver, and or running back that uh, you really like this week? Yeah, there's a few. You know, Trevor Lawrence I like against the Texans at home. I think that's a really good matchup. The Patriots running backs, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, really good matchup against the Lions. And then receivers, uh, Gabe Davis. I think this is the Gabe Davis week. I said it last week and I was wrong, but I think this this will be the week he does it against Pittsburgh, who's beat up in the secondary. Well, you know, Gay Davis had one great week, and I've got him in 
I don't know what to do with him right now. Him and Mike and Williams have had flashes of being really good, but then they've had weeks they've done nothing. And speaking of that, you know, I didn't know what to do with Amari Cooper, so I didn't play him the first week. And then I didn't play him the second week, and he had two great weeks in a row, and I played him last week, didn't score a point. <laughs> yeah, he's not reliable. I'd much rather give Davis this week, man. Amari Cooper, I know he's so frustrating to have. It is, um, but but again, I, you know, from a pure football standpoint, I've been saying it's preseason football is what we're watching, and I really believe that. And from a fantasy standpoint, I think it kind of is too. I mean, you know, we're starting to get like we're in week five here, and like, I aren't you still? Do you have a grasp of what everybody? I, I don't really have a grasp on where everybody is right now, fantasy. Yeah, it's a little tougher than usual. I've got a pretty good grasp, so I feel like it's just, I mean, there's some running backs. There's some running backs that have kind of emerged that have been pretty, like Damian Pierce, for example, emerged as a pretty reliable running back. You know, Brees Hall, a lot of these young running backs have kind of shown that they're, they're here to stay. And then the receivers, you know, there's some receivers that have emerged, too. That are showing that they're pretty reliable, you know. Even like you know, Romeo Dobbs, another rookie that's been pretty solid, and guys like you know, there's some veterans that have shown to be better than we thought. I'm trying to think of some off the top of my head that have done really well, but there's they've definitely got some that are better than we thought on draft day. Kind of like. Uh, there was one I had in my head. I can't say. Well, like is, Ra- is Rashad Penny Portland, is, is Rashad Penny about to have a Joe Mixon year? Oh no, no, yeah, no. Now that, that, that's one you got. Sometimes like there are some where I feel like through four weeks you can kind of tell who's real and who's fake. And to me, the Seahawks are very much fake. I don't buy into them one bit. Rashad Penny. Fake start, in my opinion. Geno Smith, fake start, in my opinion. You know, DK Metcalf, he'll have his moments, but he's going to be up and down. Tyler Lockett, too. I'd say try and sell high on all the Seahawks. They're one of the the fake teams, I feel like, as far as they're not going to keep keep up anything close to what they've been doing on offense. What about Jacobs? He he kind of came out of nowhere and had a fabulous week. How you think there's going to be any consistency there? Yeah, I think so, because he's getting the volume. He was just struggling to find the end zone, but he found it last week, and boom, he ends up on the top five running back. So, yeah, I, I like Jacobs moving forward. I think he's someone you can depend on in an offense that, you know, they're going to run the football. It's a Josh McDaniels offense. You know, they're going to run it. They're not just going to throw, throw, throw. And with Derek Carr not really living up to expectations, they'll probably lean on Jacobs a lot here the next few weeks. It is, um, you know, again, uh, another guy, Kyler Murray. You know, the, uh, there's not a lot of – a lot of people have, are starting to develop some really bad thoughts about him. If you draft him in fantasy and he's your number one play every week guy, how concerned are you about that? Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned, not panicking, though, because Kyler Murray is the kind of guy, he can look bad. At halftime, you can look at halftime like I see. Like, man, this dude is terrible. But then he'll turn it on in the second half a lot of times. So I wouldn't panic about him. He's a guy that 
he is frustrating. He's not one of my targets. Only have him in one league because he is frustrating to watch. But usually, excuse me, he always always gets his numbers. So where at the end of the day, you're usually like, he's all right. He got it done. He's a top ten quarterback. Some weeks top five. So and he'll be getting DeAndre Hopkins back in a couple weeks. So if you have him, I mean, you gotta just ride it out. All righty. Well, uh, it is. It's been a frustrating football season, but at least fantasy wise, I've gotten a, a little bit of, of a break last week. We'll we'll, we'll see what continue to ha- what continues to happen. So, uh, what what was your week last week? Uh, set, you 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 won seven hundred and fifty two, and you lost how many? <laughs> yeah, probably I'm like that. Yeah, about, about five hundred overall. You know, about broke even. But man, I'm hot. In our league, because of freaking Byron with the the 49ers defense, I thought I had him beat. And then they score a defensive touchdown late. And that, that cost me, and I needed a win. So I've uh, got my back against the wall there. So I need to play Bruce this week. Got to take down the Bruce's. <laughs> well, we both need a win, though, so that ain't going to be easy. There were some defenses that have had some big weeks uh, so far this year. No question about that. All right, Guru, hang in there. I appreciate your time. Take care. Yeah, you too, Kevin. All right. Spencer the Guru. No, it's uh, I think I flipped him. Look, we he and I have been arguing about this running back thing for probably, what, five, six years, if not longer. And I just, I just, I've, I've had people tell me you just, you're, you're just completely clueless and you have to pick a running back in the first round. You just have to. And I'm like, I, I, I'm just done with it. I, I, I've done it, and I've done it, and I've done it because it's what I, everyone, all the gurus and all the experts tell you you have to do. And I'm like, I'm done with picking these guys, and I get nothing out of them, nothing, nothing. And so far it's working now that I could fall flat on my face and lose the next, could lose every game from here on out. I understand that, but it's just more fun too. It's more fun to not have an injured quarterback that you pick in the first round. That's just so deflating. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, if you would like to face your greatest fears, your worst nightmares, with the game's 13th gate giveaway, we could you could win VIP tickets to this legendary haunted house attraction where you don't have to wait in line. Simply register for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. And you might win a pair of VIP tickets to the 13th gate courtesy of Midnight Productions and the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports Station. All right. Uh, the guru did, you know, there are a couple of, he, he's down on Penny, but he's done pretty well. I kind of regret. I, I, I just assume late in the draft, and look, it could still happen. We're still relatively early in the season. Late in the draft, I tend to try to pick up someone where I feel a backup that I feel like the starter is going to get injured or has a pretty good chance of getting injured. By the way, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111 if you would like to get in. 
So Elijah Mitchell has a history of being injured, so I picked up Jeff Wilson, and that's worked out pretty well for me so far. But I also picked the um, – what's his name? The the rookie running back from Michigan State because Rashard Perry, Penny has a history of being injured. Now, so far, it hadn't happened, and so I'm just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting to see if that's going to happen. We'll see, but it's – um. No, it's it's unbelievable the amount. I mean, it's kind of making me look right, but this is even more than normal with these running back injury situation. It's uh it's getting it's getting crazy crazy. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, good morning. Howdy, sir. I don't know if I should feel better or worse after listening to Luke because he pretty much verified everything we were saying, which is we live in our bubble and we think we're getting hosed. But when you have somebody that's kind of verifying it play by play, it's like, yep, I guess we were getting hosed. It was was one of the worst cheat jobs in St. History what took place Sunday. Yeah, it's pretty bad, and it and honestly, it's it's sad because this is the product we're selling overseas. You know, it's well, uh, they don't care. They don't you know would, any you better. Would think anyway. The NFL would want their best, but I think you're right. They don't care as long as they're making their money. It's yeah, like so. They don't care, especially with Minnesota and the Saints. So two teams that they could really care less how well or how bad they do. I don't think the league wants us to do bad. I just don't think they care how we do. We're just a blip on. We're a a pimple on the elephant's butt, as they would say. They don't care about yeah. being fair, and when you do that, that kind of stuff's going to happen. Yeah, it, it, it's just, again, he went play by play, and I'm visualizing in my head as he's saying, I'm saying, yep, yep, yep. I'm trying to figure out, I've been going back to see exactly how many offensive holding calls have been called against our def- against teams that are playing our defense. And like you said, they're a bunch of Hall of Famers because I can't find a single one so far. But uh it's amazing. Uh, it just, it's, but anyway, big picture, and that's why I'm calling before we get to the press. Bottom line is Tampa, which is the team supposed to win our division, is two and two. We're one and three. So we're a game back. It's not, it's, it's, it's way too early to panic and to, you know, I'm listening to people dogging Allen. It's, it's just, there's a lot of football left, and we're one game back. So it's it's way too early for panic time, despite how bad everything has gone. Yeah, but if they lose again and, Sunday, then it, 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 it's a mountain that you have to climb at that point. I mean, it, it well, was I mean, so critical to win that game. Tampa and Atlanta win. We're still just two games back. But I agree with you. It's, it's, it, we're Sunday's, still digging out of these doggone holes that it's just it's almost so become normal for us. Yes, yes. I'm just sick of it. Yeah, it, it, we all are. And, again, it, what's crazy is the only game we won is probably our worst game of the season. Yeah, it was the only game that – it was the only game – and that's where the NFL is right now. Because uh, if you – you know, it was the only game where the, where the opponent clearly just outplayed you from start to finish. And, and, and you won. I mean, that's the only one you have. It's just – that's just – that's what's so frustrating. Well, I'm, I'm curious to see Atlanta thinks that they're a running team, and I just don't think they can continue to win – well, no, they just lost their best running back. I know. That's why. I, I just don't think they've got, like, a bunch of rookies or third stringers now that are going to be carrying that mantle. And, look, they got two guys. I've got I've got people dropping pits in my fantasy league. And he was a second, third-round pick. They've got two guys. London's a stud, too. And they just simply do not want to throw the ball. They're throwing the ball 15 times a game. 
And in today's NFL, I don't think you can win consistently like that. And it's going to be interesting because if Tampa gets a lead on them, they're going to have to abandon that, and we're going to see what they can do. So um, I just – I don't think Tampa – I think Tampa's defense is that good, uh, and I think their offense will get better. But I just still don't put Tampa on that pedestal that the so-called experts are doing yet. And uh, if the Saints can somehow get their act together – uh, they can easily make a run and win this division. It's not out of the question. Like I said, we're one game back, and I know I'm being optimistic. You but know, it's they not just crazy. they just got to stop touching guys on their shoulder pads. If they can stop doing that, well, I told you when I called you Monday, our defense lends itself to having flags called because unlike a zone, we're we're right in your face at the line of scrimmage. But and I got no problem with you calling it that way. But you got to call the other team that way as well, and that's where I have a problem. They'll call the Saints for this touchy, touchy stuff, and then, like he said, Thielen grabbed the guy's face mask. Nothing. Uh, play later, the guy you know interfered with our guy. Nothing, and we we barely put a hand on you, and the flag comes out. It's it's. And I know how crazy those subjective forty-one yard penalties make you. So it's just. It's frustrating, but oh, it's, it's, it's nothing it's, we can't overcome. I'm trying to be optimistic here for everybody with this doom and gloom stuff. And, look, Seattle's very beatable. Seattle looked good against a terrible Detroit defense. I want to see them do that against our defense. I could see our defense holding well, them they better not. You know, under they 14, be- well, 17 I points. Know. Well, they better not. We'll see. we got got to win a game, got to get to 3-3, three and three, and then we can breathe again. Until then, there's no breathing. But Same uh, stuff every year, bro. All right, yep. Thanks for the call. All right, let's go one more to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin. Yes, sir. That some reporter on your uh, somebody show on 103.7 said that not including the World Series, the Astros were like 20-7 and seven in the playoffs in the last couple of years. I think if I heard that right. Oh, I wouldn't believe. I mean, they've they've made set three trips to the World Series. So I at it, home, at home, I'm in. I'm oh, at home. home. Uh, I'd have to go back and look. But boy, it sure seems like they've lost a lot of home games. Yes. And you're right. Maybe that's maybe most of them have been in the World Series because like they didn't win any home games against the Nationals that year in the World Series, and against the Braves they didn't win many, and they they won two games in L.A. against the Dodgers. So. Yeah, you maybe it's just a World Series thing. Yeah, the Nationals, uh, that series, the the, uh, the visiting team won every game. So that's incredible. Just want to throw that at you. Have a great day. I appreciate it. Thank you. I just need you know both the Saints and the Astros. And look, I love being a good road team. Like the Astros have. The Astros won 106 games, and they have like 50-something wins at home and 50-something wins on the road. It's great. It's just, man, it's just so hard to lose these road, these home games in the in the World Series. And to his point, most of it really has been in the World Series, I guess. So, um, and the and the and the Saints have lost way too many home games, way too many home. I, I, I don't know. There's just something about playing the Blue Jays I don't like. I hope I'm wrong, and if they play them, I hope they sweep them or win the series, whatever. And I don't know. There's just something that makes me uneasy about playing the Blue Jays. I, they got too many of their hitters I just don't like facing. But hopefully the pressure of the postseason will get to them like it does most hitters 
when they get to that point. All right. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show next on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Camara bobbles it at the 20. He reels it in, and he's got the ball. What a catch by Camara. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the NFL. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. As always, want to remind you to join the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com where you could be eligible for all kind of prizes, including our normal giveaways like $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or $25 to Mabel's Kitchen. Can't win if you don't join. So sign up today for the game clubhouse. Free. It's simple. Sign up today. All right. So we'll learn a little bit more tonight. Bit No baseball today. Playoffs start tomorrow. So we'll be talking more about that tomorrow. Uh, but we'll find out a little bit more about the Colts. I don't think I'm alone. I think a lot of people picked the Colts to win their division. And I was kind of down on the Titans. And after two weeks, I was very glad that I was down on the Titans from a, from a prediction standpoint. But you know what? If the Titans win this week and the Titans are playing at Raymond's Little Commanders, that's an iffy outfit, the Commanders. Uh, I could easily see the Titans winning that. I mean, winning that game. If the Titans win that game, the Titans were a team I picked to go to the Super Bowl last year. And they were the number one seed in the playoffs and couldn't convert a third and one and then couldn't convert a fourth and one. And if they convert that third and one or that fourth and one, they beat the Bengals. And, you know, who? none of us know what would have happened in the championship game, but they'd have been there. Uh, and I was kind of down on them this year. Just so much, so many changes, and they've had injuries. And But, you know, if I'm a Titans fan right now, I don't know too many of them, but if I'm one – and I'm really pulling for the Broncos tonight because if the Colts lose again, if I'm a Titan fan, I'm starting to like my chances a whole lot more than I certainly liked them six weeks ago. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in that game tonight and how many phantom calls that there are in that game. Yeah, I pay attention to the other ones too. And and it gets very frustrating to watch when it doesn't happen, but it only seems to happen in certain games here and there. All right, that'll do it. Y'all try to have a better day than me.